Hello, and welcome to the Montessori School of Denver Community Podcast Series. Each episode, you'll hear the latest parenting information and advice from Montessori School of Denver educators and community members. We hope these new tools will give you fresh insight into how you can bring the Montessori philosophy into your life and home. Enjoy the episode! chance to meet yet. I'm Rachel Northrup. I'm the Director of Early Childhood Education. Um, this is my fourth year in this role. My, let's see here, 20-something year at the school. I taught primary for about 25 years before stepping into this. So maybe a little bit about that this, this age group here that you guys are getting ready to hop into. Um, I have two daughters that started here in toddlers and went all the way through eighth grade. So my oldest is graduating from high school this year. My youngest is a freshman in high school. Um, so I know a little bit about all the little areas. Um, keep my nose in everyone's business as much as I can. Um, but I'm so excited to welcome you guys on this journey. Primary is a pretty great transition for your kids, but there is some differences. So as we're talking here, if something comes up, please, 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 please ask. Um, ask a question. We can be pretty informal since there's just a few of us here. Um, we like to start our parent eds with a land acknowledgement. So we honor and acknowledge that MSD is on the unceded territories and ancestral homelands of the Arapaho, Cheyenne, and Ute nations. We give thanks to all tribal nations and the ancestors of this place, and we will do our part to take care of the land where we live, work, and play. Good morning. Um, wait a minute. Where's another one? Oh, shoot. I must have kicked that one off my presentation. Um, so before we talk about program similarities, um, there are four planes of development that happen um, that your children are in. I don't know what happened to the slide, but I love technology. Um, and so from zero to three, your children are on kind of the, this little this slide down, moving into this upward, upward slope. And this slide down is things like um, learning to do things for themselves, as you probably are well aware. Uh, your toddlers are asking you why, 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 why. Not necessarily because they're interested. <laughs> they just want to hear language. So they're gravitating to language and hearing words and just taking all of that in and, and absorbing it all. Uh, as they round that edge and come up on the other side, your primary child will be asking why because they are genuinely curious. They're going from this subconscious mind unconscious mind to a conscious mind of thinking. They just want to know answers. And so your answers will have to change a little bit. Um, you'll get really tired of answering why, because they want to keep knowing, well, why does the machine work like that? Well, why does it need gas? Well, why do you need to do this? Well, why do you have to stop and do that? Because they are genuinely concerned um, and want to know. Um, let's see here. Uh, the focus right now is on their care of self. So shoes on backwards, we don't care. Pants on backwards, doesn't matter. They did it themselves, um, and they just want to take care of that. They're very egocentric, so if it doesn't involve them, why are we doing this? <laughs> this has no importance to us. Um, there's a sensitive period that they're in right now, and, and we'll stay in for a little bit of primary. Um, and the sensitive period is just a really kind of engrossed learning time for these children. You probably find little small rocks in pockets, um, beads, <laughs> yep, roly-polies perhaps, um, wood chips, you've got to pat them down at the end of the day because they just, and little, uh, girls a lot, um, I have two girls, just hot sweaty hands because they've got just their favorite little leaf that they've been holding on to all day long. Um, totally appropriate for them to do. Sensitive periods also are an academic um, tool that we use too. We can see when children are having an interest in something and they'll gravitate towards the math materials. So they'll work a lot on math. Kind of putting in, uh, language and some other things on the back burner, but they ebb and flow. And all of a sudden they'll be like, mm, now I'm ready to do this. And they'll come back and they'll want to learn new things. Um, so these sensitive periods um, are pretty instrumental in, in how we teach the kids. Um, let's see, what else can I say about that? Um, as I mentioned, their, their academic interests will ebb and flow. So that doesn't mean they're not getting something at any point. It's just where their interest is and they're super focused on wanting to learn something. And you want to capture that as soon as you can. And the teachers are really great observers of, of noticing when, these, when children are in these, hitting these milestones and are interested. And so they help them do that. Um, and then, 
that's here as they come out of the second plane. We can always tell when it's time for our kindergartners to go to first grade because they have now stopped being organized. They are a mess. Their stuff is everywhere. We have spent so many years of getting them to stay on their rug and to have all their things neat and tidy. And we know it's time for them to leave because they're starting to get into their second plane of just messiness, justice, fairness. It's all, you know, what about me? And it's not fair. She's got four. I need that. It becomes a whole different triangle. So um, they start working into that with that more in the lower elementary classrooms. Um, your toddler primary student is a lot like a middle schooler we have found because they are egocentric. They want to do what's best for themselves. So we kind of joke a little bit about the eighth graders and the toddlers have a really great relationship because they think the same way about, about life. Um, so that's kind of a fun transition for them. Um, da -da -da -da. Rules, families, yep, all good stuff. All right, program similarities. So some of the things you guys will notice that are the same from toddlers into primary. Um, the teachers continue uh, to support their love of learning. So again, those sensitive periods about what they want to do and where they want to go and what's going on for them. Uh, supporting their independence. Again, we don't care that shoes are put on the wrong feet. They did it. Fantastic. Um, Maria Montessori said, um, if you're telling a child that something's, or you're doing it for them, you're showing them that they can't do it for themselves and that they can't do it the right way. So we just let it go, and that's fine. They're proud that they put it on themselves. We should be too. Um, following the child again with where they are, both academically, socially, emotionally. Um, no ceilings on our academics, our learning, or development. Paying close attention to the social and emotional needs of your children. Children have freedom within their limits, but they are clear boundaries. So even as a parent, I was very curious why my children would not put things away at home and their rooms were a mess, and they'd get up on the table and everything was everywhere. But at school, they were kind, they were cleaning up beautifully and putting things away. Teachers have set that expectations from day one. And they're like, oh, and now you just do this. So that's how they know. So those clear boundaries of, oh, you're not finished. Please go back and take care of that. They totally know what to do. At home, we slacked a little bit more. <laughs> um, and then the love and care for your children are paramount in both of the programs. Uh, some of the other things that are similar is the classrooms, all primary classrooms have a trained lead teacher and two assistants. So this year, um, or next year, they'll have about 25 children in the classroom and we'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, but there's always three teachers in the classroom throughout the day to help support. Um, allowing for mistakes to happen. Um, we love it actually when they make a mistake because they're learning for it learning from it and it's helping to teach them some resiliency on how to go back and fix something and go back and take care of it we never pointed out like oh that's wrong that's bad you've done you haven't done that right we just say oh maybe try this again another way and they go back and they and they figure it all out and they work together and collaborate to find the solution um, following the child again in all areas um, and learning to work collaboratively uh, with others to take care of their needs. They don't necessarily need to come to a teacher to ask us to take care of something for them. They can ask a friend, older one, a younger one, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about what that looks like. Any questions about this? You kind of you hit it on the head. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you, you kind of you know what you. You've been through it. I've, I've, I've lived it. I worked in it. It's great. A lot of great milestones happen, so um, it's really fun to watch. All right, I'll jump in if you have any questions. So some of the differences. The big one um, is the student-to-teacher ratio. Um, that's pretty pretty obvious. In toddlers, it's one to seven. In primary, it is uh, one, it's a one to ten ratio. There'll be 25 primary students in the classroom, and that encompasses ages three through six years old through kindergarten. The reason for this is um, in toddler, it's just it's a one age group, so their peer group is just two year olds. Um, and so they are all learning the same thing at the same time, how to do all the same things, um, independence, all of those things well. So in primary, um, it's different because there are multi-ages. And so those older children are looked to as mentors, as role models, as little mini teachers in the classroom. They don't necessarily depend on us as the teachers as much as they need to uh, because they have friends who can help them. Oh, my shoe's not on. No, here, I'll help you. And so they have these other many adults um, really helping in the classroom. So that's a, a big reason for that. And it's just their peer group is totally different. Um, they may hang out. <laughs> um, 
with kindergartners. Is that their best friend? Not necessarily, but um, that's something that they're working on too, and those older kids will help take care of them. Um, taking turns with work and not sharing. Uh, in toddlers, a lot of the kids are able to just take out work and they all work together and, oh, you're over here, I'm going to work with you, and then I'm going to come over here and work with you on that. Um, in primary, it's really not, I don't want to say not allowed, but it's really something we strive to have them work either independently or collaboratively. And the reason for that, um, for taking turns and not sharing, is that a complete cycle of work is going to get a work off the shelf, doing that, having that lesson, doing that work on your own, cleaning it up, and putting it back. Some works are for two, two or more children at a time. Um, some are not. But if I were to take the work off the shelf, work on it a little bit, and then uh, walk away, or you come in and start working with it, your, your work cycle, or your, um, the cycle of that work, who puts it away? Whose job is it to take care of this? Whose responsibility is it to clean up this, this material? And so th that's the reason for not sharing. Um, they also aren't allowed to really mix materials together. Waterworks and dry works become a very big mess in the classroom. Um, but it's just that cycle of work. You're, you're taking that ownership of starting it, working on it, completing it, putting it away. And the expectation set, set from the start is to put it away the way you found it so that your next friend who takes it off the shelf is set up immediately for success. They, they see how it needs to look, they see how it needs to go, they're able to do it without necessarily needing help or asking the friend, like, can you show me how you did that? And they'll give them that, that lesson. Um, let's see here. Working on rugs and tables. They start working on this a little bit at the end of their toddler year, having little rugs on the floor. The rugs uh, really just set their space. This is my space. And they really start working on things like asking a friend if they can come into their space or if they can work with them. And sometimes the answer is no. <laughs> and that can be really hard. Um, but they can say, no, thank you. I don't want, any, I don't want friends to watch me. And that's really their choice to say, to say that. Uh, toddlers will work on shelves. Um, so we're just really training them at the end of this toddler year and through primary to take things off. Again, it's that cycle of work. Bring it to a rug, bring it to a table, work on it put it back uh, when you're finished. So the work cycle in primary, uh, it really starts from the minute they walk into the classroom. So when they walk in and they're taking off their stuff and they're hanging their things up and they're putting their coats and shoes away and all their lunch boxes and things like that. That's really the how they start their day. Sometimes they'll go outside in the playground and then they'll come back in to start their work cycle. But it's really, the teachers really strive for about two and a half hours of an uninterrupted work cycle, which means they're having snack during this time. They're getting individual lessons. There probably will be some sort of community line time just to either celebrate a birthday or read a story or talk about something the whole school is studying or something a classroom is studying. Um, and then they're really left to go and, and choose their work for the day. It may be something they've left out from the day before that they're finishing up. It might be a brand new lesson. <laughs> it might be having a snack right away. Some of us need to eat right away in the morning. Um, but they really strive to work that long. There's something called a false fatigue where the kids will be humming along and it's nice and, and busy and calm and then all of a sudden it gets just really loud and crazy in there. And it, that's okay. That's them trying to figure out how to get to their next, their next thing and then it calms right back down. Um, it's a pretty amazing thing to watch. Um, during this time, too, teachers will give individual lessons, group lessons to certain kids. Oh, you're all working on the same kind of math counting? Let's do this together. Or I see that you're ready for this. I'm going to take you aside and do this. Teachers are giving multiple lessons all day long. <laughs> so lots of stuff happening. Family communication. <clears throat> you guys are already a part of this with Transparent Classroom. Uh, you get pictures that show what your children are doing throughout the day. Teachers will, send on Fridays, I believe, um, send out a picture maybe of the whole classroom, something with some information about what's happening in the classroom. The difference from toddlers, and you guys are just now able to experience it a little bit, is going into the classroom at the end of the day, you can see the board on what they've all worked on. That's different, because we're not all working on the same thing in primary. Kids are doing lots of different things. So it's really important to either read the emails that teachers are sending out or look at those transparent classroom notifications because it'll say what the big, the we're working on butterflies. Your child may not have worked on butterflies today or this week or next week and they're just not interested yet. 
they're doing something different. So make sure you look at those pictures, ask your children about them. What are you doing here? What's, what do you see happening in here? Or have you tried this lesson? Um, and then by all means, if you don't, if you need more information because you're unsure of what's going on, please email your teachers. They're happy to talk to you. Snack and lunch. Um, much to a hungry toddler chagrin snack in primaries one time. <laughs> um, and um, they'll, they'll bring their lunches in and they'll eat um, in the classroom similar to, primary, or to toddlers. There's the hot lunch program, if you're interested, that comes to the classroom. Um, but they eat in there as a community. Um, kindergartners may come back in here. We're reworking all the COVID restrictions and things that have changed, so I'm not sure if they'll be in here to eat lunch um, next year, but um, they'll do that. In past years, and I'll maybe talk pre-COVID times, um, you got a weekly snack list in the, in the snack bag. You only had it one time a year. And you'll be thinking to yourself, I'm buying a lot of groceries. <laughs> um, they eat it all. Um, some of it's for food prep, but they, you'll help give snack to the classroom for the whole week. Um, I'm hopeful we'll go back to that. I just, I'm not sure um, what COVID will say for us for next year, but that's it. Um, and then the food prep uh, in the classroom too. Toddlers have this as well. It's where they're able to work on grace and courtesy skills. They'll cut things, they'll serve things, they'll offer you a nice apple. Um, nothing, nothing as wonderful as a pickle offered to you at 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. No, thank you, friend. Um, that's kind of the big things. Any questions about some of the differences? I should know this, but I'm going to ask anyway. Yeah. So is nap time phased out at this point? Not really, and we'll get to that. It okay. might be next. Let's see. Any other questions before we move on? We'll touch on that. Family communication. Okay. We'll get there. Um, again, emails. Um, please read what teachers are sending out. Uh, parent partnership. If anything is going on from you know, the death of a pet, to moving, to a new job, to grandma and grandpa are coming, or something is happening in your, in your house, um, please let your teachers know. It, it can throw off your child's day, their week, everything. Um, growth spurts, not eating, changing of diet, any, any of those things. Um, it's great information. Also, if anything else is going on, if you're noticing like, I don't know, Think of the strangest thing, you know. I notice that they don't hear as well on the right side of, you know, on the right ear. Do you notice this at school too? Just really working together because you'll have these teachers for three years. So they really want to get to know you. They know your child. They want to be a part of, you know, your journey together. So really um, talk with them about what's going on. We want to know. Um, I, I tell the story and it seems really crazy, but I had a, a friend one year who was completely thrown off, could barely get to the door each day, was just in tears and like for a week and I was like, what is going on? What is happening? They got a new couch and he couldn't stand it. He was like, it's scratchy, it's not soft, I couldn't bounce on it. I was like, oh my God, you have a new couch. So just even those little things, if we know that, like we're rearranging the living room, we need to know that because it'll throw them off. This can be? Yeah. And so are those things that we should email? Yeah, or even just a quick note, like, hey, we're rearranging the house. It's getting a new bed. Oh my, oh, if once they transition from a toddler bed to a primary bed or a bigger kid bed, that's a huge transition for them. Um, they're not sleeping as well at night. You know, all these things, just for teachers to have that contact point of, aha, something's going on. You can email them, send in a little note, catch them at Carline, whatever, yeah. Um, again, too, um, if you're learning challenges or behaviors, if you're finding something at home, like he's always hitting his sister. Is he hitting in the classroom, too? Or he's spitting his, she's spitting his, her food out. Do you notice this as well? Anything that seems out of, out of whack at home might be happening in the classroom. That's just something we can watch out for, too. Um, and then just learning challenges as far as, you know, if, if teachers are starting to see something, maybe things aren't sticking, maybe, you know, there's a little glitch in something, or, you know, we've been working on this a really long time, I would think that they would have it, you know, locked in. And they don't, teachers will communicate all of that to you. And they really want a partnership with you so they can work on this together um, to help you guys figure out what's going on. Any other questions about that? Aha. Peers and friendships. This is the hard one. <clears throat> Make sure I cover all my things here. Excuse me. Um, so friends. <laughs> friends are ever-changing, um, especially for a three-year-old. Um, your friends today 
and then tomorrow they choose to decide to play with somebody else, and now they're not my friend anymore. Not true. They're just really figuring it out. Three-year-olds are still in a place of parallel play, so they can sit together, and they're not even having the same conversation, but they're talking and they're having a great time. Um, they're starting to recognize that, you know, these older kids are kind of cool and I want to hang out with them. The younger or the older ones are thinking, it's three-year-olds. Okay, we'll let you play with us. Uh, things like that. So your three-year-old, two or four-year-old may run along with the pack and be like, oh, my best friends are the kindergartners. No, not yet. Um, but they run with the pack and that's, that's great. Um, little things will happen that will cause us to react versus respond. Um, they'll say that we were hit. Typically what happens is somebody runs by and they get kind of smacked by somebody like, they hit me, they're so mean. Not necessarily the case. But to them, their little egocentric self, they're getting hit, they're getting um, They wouldn't let me play with them. Can you tell me more about that? Um, why wouldn't they like, oh, because you were playing with you know, 20 different other people and they didn't want to do that. Again, this is really learning those social um, cues and social graces of, can I play with you? Can I play this game with you? I'd love to play this game. And hearing maybe, mm, no thanks, because we've already started this game. Or sure, jump on in to, again, just running with the pack, because that's what they want to do. Um, moving into primary two, your child right now may have a very good friend. Not always the best to put them in a classroom together for the next three years because they come, become very sibling-like, um, which can be really hard both on them and the teachers because you're like, oh my God, you guys see each other every day after school. You live down the street from each other. Now you're in class together. Oh my, you're sick of each other. And so sometimes it's great to separate those, those friendships up and have them uh, be able to see each other on the playground or have lunch together or have those other moments um, where they get to see each other outside of their classroom. There's a lot of thoughtful um, consideration and conversation that happens around placement for next year. Uh, you know, they might have this really great friend, but they actually, in the classroom, they just are button heads. So should they be together? Maybe not. Um, what are some other great reasons why we would? Learning styles. Maybe there's something that's going on and there's a teacher who's really great with you know, kinesthetic learners, getting them up and moving and running outside if they need it. That's something that we think about when we put somebody in a classroom, um, where it's a great fit for them. And just who else is already in the classroom? You know, do they, are there a bunch of these kinds of learners and what a great way to, you know, embrace this and have role models for somebody who needs, um, you know, auditory learning. We already have all this stuff ready for them so we can do that. So a lot of great discussion around where your child should go and what teachers should do with them. Uh, yes, so balance, that's yeah, a big part of it. So when you have 25 students in a classroom, it's it, we try to say, okay, what does it look like with the current bones of the class? And then we say, okay, when we add in these new friends, what does that look like in the dynamics of that? So there's a lot of consideration. Mm -hmm and a lot of logistics and a lot of thought planning on that. So we just ask everybody to be very, very patient as, yep. as uh, the admission team works through different yep. requests, personalities, learning yep. styles, yep. gender. Yeah, I was just like, gonna say boy and girl, like we try to keep everybody, we try, yeah, so we try to be very mindful of where your children will be. And uh, it's, it seems to work very well. Yes. So it's just yes. more than putting a, a body in a space. Yep. So, Yep. Yeah. So there's six primary classrooms. So about 25 kids um, in each classroom for next year. Yeah, they're great. It's fun. And like I mentioned, three teachers in each classroom, and you know, really try to keep it balanced out. Kindergartners do. You know, you optimally you would have the same number of everybody, but no, that doesn't happen at all. But yeah. Yeah. What's the percentage or of, of new families coming in? I don't know, I'm just curious. Uh, like a percentage of new families this year? So, well, we, yeah, every year is very, very different. Yeah. This current year is technically a, a rebuilding year because of COVID. And so um, it's, we don't have like an exact number of that. And then we always have to be mindful of our current families that are transitioning to primary because you know when you are already in the community right. and you, you you automatically are enrolled if you choose to be. So I would say the transition and this and uh, the retention from that is always like in the high 90s. Really, the only time a family doesn't return is if they physically have moved away. 
or maybe 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 dynamics have changed. And, and, but those are really the only two main reasons that families don't return. Um, but new families coming in, the numbers are too crazy to um, yeah. to determine, especially for this upcoming year because we're still working through that process. Um, you think there will be a new family coming into the primary, mm -hmm. or there will be no? Oh yes, yes there are, but it's still very minimal. So we have different um, entry points at three, age four, and kindergarten. So it just depends. But we'll, we'll add new families for sure. Yeah, probably good for the toddlers to have new faces. And go, yes. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, their socks are even blown at top. Oh, kindergarten all over fest. Oh, oh yeah. It's gonna be so cute. Yeah, no, there are new families that come in every year. Um, it's just, it just depends on how many or what is the age group. You know, to Linda's point, you know, perhaps we don't need threes and fours in, in a classroom, but we need kindergartners. So there just might be new kindergartners in that classroom. So the, those dynamics. Um, yeah, good questions. Anything else on front? Yeah. Just one more. Yeah. This is also sort of a, I'm not looking for an exact answer. What's the line as far as reaching out to a teacher to let them know, like, your kid's saying, like you said, mm -hmm. this person is hitting me or whatever? Yeah. Kind of like, well, you know, I, to not be annoying. No. <laughs> I think if you're hearing it repeatedly. So one of the things we talk about, too, a little bit is, um, as teachers, we call it, uh, um, I can't even think of what it's called. Interviewing for pain. So when somebody says to you, or your child says to you, they're hitting me, and then the next day you say, well, did she hit you again today? You're, you're, you're setting them up to give you the response that you don't hope you're gonna, they're hurting you, but you're giving them our, oh yeah, they totally hit me. Oh, it's crazy. So just, and that's why I say responding versus reacting. Like, oh, you know, if they're like, Rachel hit me again today, and then tomorrow they say, Rachel hit me again today. And you can say, you know what, I think I'm just going to shoot Aaron an email and find out what's going on with this friend. And it may be nothing. It may be like, oh, no, they're just, they're actually playing a game where they're doing this kind of a thing. You don't know that. But now you need to know that. So it's hard to say there's a fine line. But if it's a constant thing and you're not asking them for it and they're just delivering this, like, they hurt me again, they hurt me again. You know, negative reinforcement of us as parents, and I am 100% guilty of it too. Like, oh no, are you hurt? What happened to you? This is, oh my gosh. They've read that reaction, they've now gotten 45 minutes of extra cut. Maybe ice cream even out of the deal, I don't know. I, I mean, but now they know that this is gonna get a reaction from you. And so that whole interviewing for, for pain, like I said, let them tell you, don't ask them for that information. And then if it's uncomfortable for you at all, that's when I think, you know, like, I really feel like I'm hearing this child's name all the time. Is this a problem or is this, you know, is there another side to this story perhaps that I'm not hearing? So, um, and then just really talking to your teachers too. They'll, they're great with helping you with language when, you, when you're stuck in a situation with somebody too. Um, you know, even how to ask the questions like, um, you know, were you playing a game? Is this something, were you, did you do something also during this game that, you know, and just asking the questions to get them to share more with you or tell me more about this. Does it happen at snack time? Kind of those open-ended questions, but always, I mean, if you're starting to feel funny about it, you know, that's when I think you should reach out for sure. Questions? All right. I'll, and I'll add to that too. Yeah. And so if there are incidents like that, there's going to be an incident report shared oh, right. on that as well. So biting, you know, things like that. And also the solution. What did this friend do to help your child feel better? You know, so there is communication in that. But of course, if you are ever feeling mm -hmm. that you need to ask more questions, do Yeah. You're encouraged to do that. I mean, yeah. as, as a parent myself, in this community as well, Advocate for your little ones. You have to, right? Especially before they have the words to really express what they need. So if that is a concern, definitely yeah. And sometimes there's that adage of, you know, no news is good news. And so you can get kind of stuck in this rut of like, well, I haven't heard anything going on, so everything must be okay. But I'm hearing stuff, but oh, should I ask? Just ask at, at any point that you're feeling like you don't know what's going on, whether it's academics or peers or their lunchbox is coming home full every day, like are they not eating anything? Just ask the questions. Yeah, sure. 
snack time, lunch time. Um, as I mentioned, snack is only once. <laughs> um, it is a very, very social time in primary. So you will sometimes find your friend and friends right away sitting at the snack table, and you go over and you're eating snack, but you're really not eating snack. You're just there for the conversation, believe it or not. Um, and so that can be really hard for your primary student to figure it out. They independently get to decide when they want to go eat. You know, in toddlers, there's a little bit like, it's available, would you like to come and sit down? It's not really monitored that way in primary. It's really more like the older kids will work a little bit and then go have snack because they've built up kind of a hunger from their working. Um, but those first years, man, they want to just sit down and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And then they won't eat. And if they're an all-day student, it's a long time to lunchtime. They're a half-day student, they're going to get in the car and they're not going to be very kind to you because they're going to be hangry because they did not eat snack when it was their snack time. So teachers are aware. They try to help slow it down a little bit. They try to give a few reminders. But really, it's helping them learn to regulate when they're hungry, what their body needs, you know, all of those great things. So. I've got a question. Yep. Have the rules changed about sugar? Um, are, you, are you guys still saying? Because I know in the toddler class, it's like no processed sugar. Yeah. Still we have more of a healthy policy. You know, if you're sending in Hershey's Kisses for snack, we're going to send them home. <laughs> um, things like that. Um, cookies are okay, but is that a good snack for a midday? Probably not. So we really try to strive on things like you know, fruits and vegetables, proteins. If we go to the all-class snack bag, which I really am hopeful that we will, it's a balanced, the teachers set up a really balanced snack of like a fruit and vegetable, fruit or vegetable, a protein, maybe or crackers and peanut butter, something like that um, to help them say that. Um, no, sorry, nut butter. If, if we are nut aware school, so if, you know, we don't say nut free because that would, you, you couldn't be here. I mean, it would be really hard. So if your child has an allergy, let you know, the teachers will know. But you know, they, they know not to share food. They know how to you know, take care of those things. So lunches will be different. You can have like a cookie dessert, but is that, should that be your main meal? No, probably not. So really just making thoughtful food decisions. Are the allergies going to be kind of like, so like, Different, um, mm -hmm. so maybe like there was a, you know, there's an avocado and a mm -hmm. nut and a, uh, a allergy, yeah. but maybe in the primary mm -hmm. that will kind of change around because the kids are going. Yeah, so they'll be Yes, yeah. Um, that is something we take into consideration too, where you know you don't want to load a heavy a classroom with a lot of allergy allergy-ridden kids because you can't doing anything in those classrooms then. So we do try to spread them out a little bit. But also, um, this is really a great time too to communicate much like you probably need to now with your, with your toddler teacher. Like They can't have those crackers, but they can have these. And we'll hang on to them for them. So if they're having a cracker snack, we'll put some out for that, for that child. Like I said, we're not aware. So if there's a peanut allergy in the classroom, they're not going to have peanut butter, but they might have sun butter, um, things like that. So very much aware of what's going on. Um, in the classrooms. Some kids I've had before have a lot of allergies and those families just manage it. They're like, here's his snack for the week. And those children know to come to us or when we see that they're hungry, like, hey, it looks like you're ready for snack, Rachel. Let me go get that for you. And I will get you your food and I will serve you what you're able to eat safely, so. Similar to this year, you'll, you'll receive an allergy list of this in the classroom and we'll, we'll collect all that information over the summer because every, every Classroom is going to be different with those, so we just feel yeah. collectively as a community, we do really well, and we're mindful about that. Yeah. We can't pack certain things. Yeah. Um, and then, like I keep mentioning, the snack list. If hopefully we'll go back to that, you'll just get a list of groceries to buy for the week, and that's probably the only time you'll see the snack bag, and then you're off. It's off for you. Um, and then for lunch, really similar to toddlers, you know, we ask that you have silverware and napkins and a water bottle. We don't do juice or anything like that. Um, and then they just really self-contain it. Keep it in their backpacks with an ice pack or a thermos um, if need be. Um, but yeah. Any other great questions? Um, a little different from toddlers, you can have whatever lunchbox you want. Because <laughs> it will stay in their backpacks. Or I know that you guys have the bento boxes now, I believe. You have all day kids. Um, and that's for refrigerator size. 
if they want a fancy lunchbox, they can have one. They just keep it in their backpack with their ice packs or whatever they, they need. So, nap time. <laughs> so we really don't phase it out for them. It's kind of really their, <laughs> their prerogative. Um, we have a napper versus a rester, and how dare you if you ever confuse the two. <laughs> they will let you know, I am not a napper, I am a rester. Um, social services says, uh, much like toddlers, we need to give them 30 to 45 minutes of quiet downtime. If they fall asleep, they fall asleep. We cannot keep a child awake. If you're like, please don't let them sleep for two hours, talk to your teacher and they can wake them up earlier, but we cannot keep a child awake. Um, a rester is the one who just doesn't fall asleep. Given the time and the back rubbing and the beautiful music and the dark rooms, they're just not going to fall asleep. That's usually your second year kid. Um, so we try to separate the two as much as we can. If we know you're a good sleeper, we'll get you over here. And I'm not sure what napkins will look like this coming year, but um, we're going to keep you over here so we know you're going to sleep and we can get you down right away. And then your resters will be over here. Resters, uh, anyone, actually, even the nappers who wake up, um, there is a little bit more work time, much less structured than the work day. Um, the lead teacher will be working with the kindergartners at that time, so um, that's where really her focus is. But your child will have another opportunity to maybe do some practical life, or work on some tutorial, or go out on the playground, or go on nature walks. They'll do something. They're not just forced to sit there now until the end of the day. Um, but it's not as really a, a structured time. They might have special projects together. It's just a rester group. Um, they might connect with some of the other resters on campus and do some time together, but um, it's, it's, it's just a little more extension to their day. Um, nap gear. We'll do some sort of nap mat. I'm not sure what we'll do, but we'll let you know when you guys get your supply list. Um, if they need a little blanket, a little lovey. Um, I think that most teachers are just fine with that. Um, I think be careful about toys and loveys. This is where we get kind of into a sticky Sometimes it's all you can do to get them out of the car. Here you go. Please take this rabbit and go on your merry way to the classroom. When they get to the classroom, they'll just have to put it in their backpack. And it just stays there. I think very similar to toddlers. It's whatever you need to do. If it's this huge thing that they need to sleep with, Probably not. Please don't bring that to school. Um, and then the stuff will be sent home on Fridays for washing or as needed. Any questions about nap? Yeah? I just have a question on like what percentage of the students are like full time and part time? Mm -hmm. Like the other day, you said 25 per class, but Yeah. So the percentage of part time and, and full-time kids, I would say about half, but that also encompasses your kindergarten. So if you have a big kindergarten group this year, you'll have fewer napper and resters, that makes sense. Yes. Um, if you have a smaller classroom or kindergarten size, then you'll just have a bigger puppet. And that varies year to year because you just don't know what you're going to Yeah. yeah. take care of themselves in the bathroom. Um, social services regulations again say that we are not able to change them, wipe them. Da -da. We are their best cheerleaders though on the outside of the door. You can do it, you've got, oh look at that, pull it up a little bit higher here and get over here. Um, of course if there's a circumstance that happens we will help them, um, but you know, if they have an accident, they take off their own clothes, they put them in the bag, we can lay out the clothes for them to put on but they'll do it. Um, and actually it's great incentive for them to be like, ah, fine, I'll just do this myself and I'll just get themselves ready and go. Um, lots of extra clothes, especially those first few months of school, lots and lots and lots. Um, accidents will happen, teachers fully expect it. Different from toddlers too is we don't have really a time, like it's nine o'clock, it's time for toileting. We don't do that. 
there will be some reminders. We are very trained in, in this dance <laughs> and, um, and shuffling them off to the bathroom as they need. In those first few months of school, a lot of just reminders. Hey, why don't you go to the bathroom before we go outside? Hey, why don't you use the bathroom before we have a snack? Um, but also that's part of the process too, for children to start regulating that and, and noticing it then in themselves. Um, they will be working or concentrating or doing something and they will have an accident. It's part of the, it's part of the deal. Um, and that's totally you know, appropriate for them. Okay, let's just go change and they'll get themselves cleaned up. They're so focused. There's so much new stuff to do. They forget <laughs> and it happens. So, um, and same for nap. Uh, we don't do diapers or pull ups at nap time. So if they're resting and sleeping and they have an accident, oh well, let's just get up and change you and we'll take care of it. Um, I think the biggest one for parents too is hard is just, you know, helping them wipe. And that's just something, like I said, that we can just be great cheerleaders from the outside room of like, you can get it. I've done a lot of very strange pantomiming on how to wipe. Um, but, it, you know, they get there and they learn it. So, yeah. I was just gonna add, there's a funny little video and this teacher is trying to teach their children how to wipe. She's got a chair and two balloons and she's like doing that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's actually pretty important. It, 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 it is, warm, yeah. But it's I, really fun. And there's just a lot of talk about, you know, you can, you can do it. Your arm is long enough to get back there. You can wipe, you can do it. Um, again, if kids are coming home and they're uncomfortable and things are happening, please reach out to your teacher. Um, and you guys can work out a plan together to help solve that. Carline, last but not least. So I'm hopeful that we're back to how things will be for next year. Um, the difference for primary from toddler is right now you guys are just dropping off at the gate, waving goodbye. Um, for primary, you, I'm assuming, will still have the option, you can walk in and drop your child off. You'll still have to use um, school pass to sign in. Um, I highly recommend Carline. And I can say this even as a parent, because I have had to drive off dropping my three-year-old off at Carline, sobbing, me, not her, um, because I'm like, oh my God, this is so, oh my gosh, they can't make it. They can make it, they can totally do it. And I can tell you from the teacher side, when they come in from Carline and they're like, I'm here, and they're at the door, and you're like, oh my gosh, you did it. How, oh my gosh, you must feel me. Look at your smile. Oh, I can tell how proud you are um, to walk in. It's amazing for them. Plus, you guys can just drop them off and go. Now, if you drop off and go, um, again, it's hard. You can, did he make it there okay? Email your teacher really fast. Call them. Is everything okay? We are more than happy to let you know. But this is probably their biggest independent moment of walking to the classroom. In previous years, we've had middle schoolers who walk with them, which is really amazing because then they see them on campus and they're like, there's my friend. He walks with me every day. This is an eighth grader and a primary student there walking together from a few years ago. It's really amazing. Um, if you're just not ready, that's okay. You've got a little time. They love to do it. Um, picking up um, is similar, sort of. So Carline, 11.30, so it's just the reverse. Right now you're gonna, in the morning, you'll drop off and they'll go to class. At 11.30, you'll come up and we'll put them in the car. So you guys actually don't come to the classroom um, in the afternoon. Um, same thing at 2.50, 3 o'clock. They'll all be out front um, for you to pick up. Yeah? This may be a silly question. That's okay. What if we're not coming with a car? Would we pick them up? At like you're biking, you're walking? Yeah. Yeah, you, you, I'm assuming we'll stay with the same school pass system now. So if you're over at the toddler gate, they'll just say, no, send Rachel over to the toddler gate because you've walked them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, for the online drop-off, do they need to be able to get themselves out of their car seat? Or Around and get them out of no, so in the morning when you pull up, you'll want to have them just unbuckled. And if they're not, that's okay because we'll reach in and last them. Can we unbuckle you and we'll help them out? But as ready as they can be, get all your hugs and kisses out of the way so that, um, and then we'll help them out and they'll walk to class. The reverse of that is we'll open the door, they'll hop in, we'll close the door, and then you'll just pull up just a little bit and then you can get out and buckle them in. Um, the main reason for that is 
if we have five people out of their car buckling kids in and that's <laughs> maybe snowing you gotta take all the snow gear off and then you gotta put them all in it takes a really long time and backs everything but you're not on the street yeah. doing no nope, you're just pulling up right where the staff parking is okay. a little bit yeah great yeah the east gate is what we that's what it is i am so terrible yeah um, and then all through school pass again, which is, is really quite remarkable. So, But you are welcome to walk up at the 11.30 or the end of the day one. The classrooms are usually sitting out under that uh, the pergola area um, right at the East Gate. And you can find your kid and just show them. Check them out. Here we go. And they're all set. They love Carline. It is so hard on us. Like I said, I cried many, many times. And I work here. I know these people. I know how safe my children are. And I would just cry and cry. I've sent many pictures of kids at the door, excited, but it's really, they love it. So that is all I have for you. What do you all have for me? Any other questions? You don't need to see all my, all my information here. Um, Rachel, yeah. when are we gonna get back to school I don't know, when are we, Linda? <laughs> When are we going to get back to school information? Uh, just later, later in the summer, we will uh, hopefully button everything up. I would say by early August would be the goal. And I say that loosely, just with all the moving parts, but we will communicate as soon as classroom enrollment has been solidified, as well as all the nitty gritty. So August, we've already discussed 2022 2023 school year information. Can you talk a little bit more about the aftercare program for the primary too? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure where it will be held, but um, at the end of the day, the friends will come out and they'll hang out with their classmates until the after school teachers come and grab them. Um, wherever they end up, I'll just use the space or outside, they'll have a snack. Um, and then they do just a lot of really just fun stuff that kids need to do. They'll play outside and they'll kick soccer balls. They'll do art projects. They'll play on the playground together. They'll, depending on who the teachers are, sometimes they do craft stuff. It's just a really fun end of the day. You know, no, no pressures. If they're older, I know some of the kids were doing, you know, some of their homework at the end of the day. But um, I'm not sure how it will look as far as who gets mixed together. Um, right now, toddlers are on their own just because of other stuff, but um, in past years we've done primary through at least elementary age kids, which is great because they're again meeting new faces and seeing new kids, and those kids are helping care for them and play with them, and they think they're best friends. Hi, friend, and it's really exciting. So, yeah. And to add in primary, our the children will be able to participate in after-school enrichment mm -hmm. programs too. So that will vary from cooking to little ninjas, soccer, to soccer yeah. So chess. All kinds, of, all kinds of stuff. So yep. That puts them in a, in a whole different category of fun yep. whenever the after school program catalogs are sent out. Yep. So you sign up for those in August? Or they will be solidified yeah. later yeah. in the year. Oh, right. oh, they right. come out every yeah. Yeah. semester. Yeah. So it's like a three, it happens three winter, times a year. Yeah. Winter, yeah. Yeah. or fall, winter, and spring. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Can you yeah. talk about, uh, talk us through the summer program? Because we're doing a couple of sessions. Oh, the summer camp? Oh, fantastic. Um, I don't know what their themes are, so a lot of times the teachers will pick a theme for the summer to dive into. Yeah, it'll be in the primary classrooms. It's a really great opportunity for them to get just a little taste of it. It's not as structured as the school year. However, they're learning to use the rugs they're using to learn some of the materials, which is so great because then they come in on that, those first days and they're like, I totally know how to do this already, um, which is just an ego boost for them. Um, they do all sorts of, you know, water days and out, out, nature walk. It's just, it's a really great introduction to the program. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like how the uh, toddlers, you know, kind of had a big focus with the auction, they, mm -hmm. they made the beautiful mm -hmm. Is there like a, a big or like a few big focuses, like collaborative focuses that the primary kids do um, during the year? Yeah, they, so the, they also have the auction project thing um, that they'll do as a classroom. Um, as far as other big community things, a lot of classroom stuff will do things like, oh gosh, these kind of 
these past couple of years have really put a, a, a damper on my mind. Well, kindergarten, yeah, there's a bigger collaborative going on for kindergartners just because they are getting ready to go to first grade and they're just doing more things collaboratively. Similar, similarly to this transition, you know, they might go off to first grade with somebody they don't know from their class. <laughs> and so how do they, they need to learn to, to become friends? Um, just as far as getting all the primary kids together though, you know, more classroom stuff specific. And I think it just depends on the teacher and what they have for their, their group projects and things like that. Sorry, not a great answer. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about learning to read? My son's starting to want to learn mm -hmm. a little bit. And also if there's anything over the summer we should do with yeah. reading. Sure. So when they are working with reading and language in primary, um, it's really concrete at first. Sandpaper letters, they're learning you know, what the letters look like, the sounds that they say, um, moving into things like rhyming and it, it, and they call it phonological words. Can you isolate sounds? If I say cat and I take away the C, what do you have? You have F. If I add a P, what does it say? Pat. Playing little games like that um, is really where they'll start. Um, moving into things like making combinations of letters to make words and word building and using the movable alphabet and hearing all of the individual sounds. So at, three sounds. Um, and then finding those with the movable alphabet and building on that. Two, reading. Um, it's not whole language, we're really phonetic based and, and things like that. If there's an interest, um, much like the sensitive periods I was talking about, keep reading to them, you know, keep letting them try, keep letting them go. Um, will they walk in the classroom on day one and learn to read? Probably not. Um, will they have exposure to it? For sure. And if they're showing the teachers that they're ready to do it, they'll help them guide through the next, that, that next step. Um, but there are a lot of steps because we do letter name, Letter sounds before letter names. We do lowercase before uppercase um, because you see lowercase more commonly in print. And so it's something they're more familiar with. Um, we do a little bit more Danelian, which is precursive writing. So all the little tails on everything. Um, the girls are so good at that with their squirrels. I also had the hearts of my eyes. Um, <laughs> things like that. Um, but really, I think you know the number one thing is to read with your, your children. I mean, the more you read with them, the more they're going to devour it. Um, and then, like I said, your teacher will, it'll take a little bit because, again, those first few months, they're getting to know where everybody is and where they are academically and what they like to work on and what their interests are because that's how we hook you. Oh, you want to read? Oh, I heard you like dinosaurs. Come on over here. Let's talk about dinosaurs. Um, so, but then they'll really work on that with them. Um, as far as the summer stuff, I know that there is some information coming out about just summer reading and summer programs and things like that. I don't have anything concrete for you right Anything else? Well, fantastic. If you have any other questions, please, please, please reach out to me. I'm happy to email with you or have a conversation or talk on the phone, whatever it is. It's a crazy, fun transition all up in the same bubble. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Montessori School of Denver Community Podcast Series. For more information about the Montessori School of Denver and a Montessori education, visit us at www.montessoridenver.org.